I didn't know that um, oxycodone is different from oxycotton. So I ended up asking for oxycotton, which really dove me deep, deep, deep into addiction. And I was having these major anxiety things and my body was like jolting when I didn't have them. And I thought it was just some anxiety that I was going through a draw. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about the dark secrets that we keep in our pit of our stomach that we want to go to our deathbed with are those silly, you know, and very embarrassing ones we don't want to tell a soul. You know, the things people hide from themselves and the others, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Jamie. I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret? My secret is um, addiction. It's to alcohol and to drugs. Oh, okay. So when did that start? Can we go back to the beginning of when that started for you, that you started to make that a secret? You know, it started, the drinking started a long time ago, but the secrets came, I would say maybe 10 years ago was when I really had to start hiding it from people like my family, anyone that didn't drink like me or use like me. Um, and then it kind of dropped off and then came back up. And those secrets were the big ones because I wasn't telling anybody about them at that point. So how did it start though? If you could just tell our listeners, how did this, you know, you said you didn't drink like other people. What does that mean for you? So, um, I started drinking and blacking out immediately. I, um, started drinking, having fun, but it just escalated pretty quickly. I was drinking all day. I was drinking all night. I was drinking, um, when I was hungover to feel better. I was drinking when I was happy, when I was sad. Um, and it started out slowly and it just became an everyday thing for me was, constant for me. And I, um, I really started to get pretty depressed and I would just keep drinking and drinking over that over the mm. course of years. And then again, um, the last three years have been the most crucial for me. And why are you saying the last three years have been the most crucial? Can you explain that? Yeah. Um, the last three, so I've had a son for almost six years and the last three I had, um, been completely clean. And then I started using pills, which I'd never used cause I didn't like how I would black out and, you know, it didn't go well with the drinking. What kind of pills did it start? Did you have, did you have like, you know, a lot of people talk about and tell me that they, they take pills if they have an injury. 
or did you just start taking them? I was in a very bad relationship and instead of getting out um, and, you know, moving on with my life like a normal person would, I chose to stay in a very toxic relationship and I um, didn't know how to handle the behavior because I didn't know how to leave. So I started, I took a pill from someone very close to me and I thought, you know, whatever, it's not a big deal. And that, that started with Vicodin and Percocet. Mm. And that and you were um, drinking at the same time. Why? No, not at that time. Okay. Just pills at this time. And so I continued to use them. And I was, you know, I looked up the ingredients in the Percocets, and one of them is oxycodone. Oh. I didn't know that um, oxycodone is different from oxycotton. So I ended up asking for oxycotton, which really dove me deep, deep, deep into addiction. And I was having these major anxiety things and my body was like jolting when I didn't have them. And I thought it was just some anxiety, but I was going through withdrawal. Oh and yeah. So- my doctor actually prescribed that for me for a feminine problem. Mm-hmm. And I took for two days and getting off of it for two days, I had the worst headache. It was horrible. So I can't imagine if you just (laughs) kept taking them. And I see why people get addicted to them because just coming off for two days, it was after a surgery and stuff. I was in so much pain. Yeah. So I continued to, um, to take those. And then when I couldn't get those anymore, the guy, the guy that I was getting them from said, well, we have these other pools and they're just like them they look just like them they have some effect i'm not really sure what's in them a normal person would be like that's freaky but i was like just give them to me and what i came to find out from um people like i've met a girl that used to press them what does that mean i don't even know what that what is press so so she would take um the pill i don't know exactly how they do it but she would take the pill and mix it like break it down and mix it with another pill and then press it together and make it hard with like a, some sort of solution um, and make these little blue pills. And what they were, were they were um, fentanyl and heroin. <gasps> and I told no. Yeah. So I just discovered that because I thought they were just fentanyl and something else. But um, so that, you know, when you're taking these pills, you're like nodding out, you're, you know, you're, um, I would be walking around the house, like, and talking to myself and I'd be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you're talking to yourself. So it was like this psychosis that I was in. And I finally kind of came to this point and, um, just got really scared. And, you know, I have this son that's like needing me and I'm just putting him on the couch and having him watch TV and I'm dealing with all the drama with these relationships. And so, um, I decided to, to, um, try and, and fix that. And I did it okay for maybe a month or two. And then I started drinking and the drinking, went, um, you know, a beer here and there. Oh, let's go party this night. Oh, let's have some, some drugs tonight. Um, to, uh, the, the last, Last bit of it, I got so bad that I was like shaking without alcohol. I was throwing up blood. And these were things that when I tried to quit before weren't happening to me. So you said, I mean, 
okay, you're throwing up blood. And at that point, were you so far gone that any rational thought was like to stop or are we past the point of stop? It's like a medical thing. No, at that point, I started to get really scared because I knew the shaking had gotten really bad. I couldn't get through the morning without shaking, without at least drinking like a half a pint of um, whiskey. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was like the morning, like by 9 a.m. I was drinking through the night. I would wake up in the night. I would drink like three or four different times in the night. And then I'd immediately start drinking in the morning to get some sort of like, um, uh, I don't just not shaking, just, just somewhere where I felt slightly normal, but slightly normal for me was staying in bed. I couldn't walk upstairs without just like almost having a heart attack. It was just terrible. And I couldn't keep anything down the whole time I was throwing up constantly, but this at the end was the blood. So this, this last time it was over a course of like six to eight months where it got so bad and, and the shaking and the vomiting and the blood. And I I was urinating blood as well. And that, that was just over six to eight months where when I drank for 10 years in my twenties, none of that happened. I was able Mm. to move forward so it was like and you know I'm 41 now so it was incredibly scary for me to get to that point and that's when um I decided to call someone that I had known for a really long time and ask for some help so here's my question for you what was that moment because it was a secret what was that moment with yourself before you picked up the phone and made that call do you remember did anything flash in your head or anything happen no I just remember thinking I'm gonna die and I I hadn't seen my son in weeks I couldn't I couldn't make it to go see him because I would smell like alcohol. And if I, I, you know, cause I couldn't do anything without drinking alcohol, without shaking and my body kind of shutting down. So I, um, I ended up just staying away, mm-hmm. which everything worse. And I remember thinking, I'm going to die. Like, this is not a way to live. And I literally, I literally would like, go get the alcohol and I would drink it. It was like a fireball whiskey. It was disgusting. And I would drink and I'd be like, oh, why? Okay, have more. <laughs> I'm like, when is this? I would constantly ask myself, when is this going to stop? And when, the, um, when I saw the blood, I thought, my son's not going to have a mother. Mm-hmm. And I'm really scared. I was really scared. And I had to reach out. And I was telling everyone, you know, oh, yeah, I'm sober. Oh, yeah, no, no, I'm not drinking. Everybody, no one knew in my life. Not one single person did anyone know. And I was living with someone at the time, and they they had no idea. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wow. So you made that call 
And that had to have been very vulnerable and very scary. Um, how did it go after that? Um, I made the call to someone that I had periodically talked to and seen in meetings. And I'd known him since I very, very first got sober years and years ago. And um, I was crying and I, um, I felt safe enough with him to where um, I was able to call him and tell him what was going on, tell him about the blood and tell him about the shaking. And so he helped me. Um, it took a couple of days, but he helped me get into a place to get help for that. So you said the relationship was bad. What was it about the relationship that you could not express your anger that put you on that spiral? It sounded like. Um, there were a lot of secrets. Um, and when I would try to ask this person about it, the only time that there was really any sort of admittance to this was when I had proof of it. And even then it was like a side step. So it was, and it was always like, well, I said, sorry, you need to forgive me. And, um, and then Wait, I also want to be specific. Did you have more secrets or he had secrets? Um, the drinking was my secret. Mm. He, he had other secrets um, involving uh, other other women, other, other things to do with women, um, conversations they were having, pictures, you know, things like that. Wow, yeah. So he was seems like he was unavailable. So at this time when you guys were together, so do you think that affected your secret even worse? Um, yeah, I do. I do think it did because, um, it, it, I just started drinking more and more to cover it up and to be okay with it. Like I did with the pills and the other relationship. And, um, and I think also, you know, it, it built up resentments for me and added to the secret. And it was like, I would literally have these episodes where like everything would be fine. And then I would just flip out because of the drinking. I couldn't control my emotions at all. Oh, yeah. Like, did it, you just start screaming for no reason? Not like that, but I would find something, I'd hold it in for a few days, and then I would just lash out on him, like, how could you do this? I feel so betrayed. But the thing was, is I had said this months and months before, and so it's like I was just allowing the behavior to happen, because I would say, you can't do this anymore, and they would say, okay, and then it would happen again. Mm, gotcha. I'm just setting myself up for that. <laughs> right, right. You 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 had this boundary, and you said you can't do this anymore, and then it would happen again, and you wouldn't hold that boundary. You just right, correct. Got it, got it. So, mm -hmm. who do you think? Obviously, who do you think this secret has harmed, and who do you think it benefited? I think the only person that benefited was me and only for a short while because in the end it had no, it didn't benefit me at all because I was alone. Um, I think it hurts everyone that I love, everyone that I know. It's, you know, really, um, really affected my family, my son, my relationship with my son. You could see like when I would talk to him on the phone, on FaceTime, like you could see the disengage and the mistrust. Um, 
you know, my ex-husband, like he just, he needed my help, but he didn't trust me. We would fight a lot. Um, and he really tried to do whatever he could to help me, but there's just a breaking point people have. It affected my family. I stopped seeing them because I, I couldn't see anyone that wasn't drinking like that because they would know I was drinking and everyone had known I'd had a problem. So it would have been an issue. Um, you know, I know my mom stayed awake many, many nights worrying about me. And you think I'm not bringing it to them. So I'm not affecting them, but that is not the case. You know, these people that care about you, they think about you all the time. They stress, they have anxiety, they cry, you know, that it's, it's, it's terrible. And, and all of my friends that were so close to me, um, including you, <laughs> were people that just, you know, you kind of give up. Like, what can I do? You know, I love you, but I can't watch you hurt yourself. And and so it broke. It ultimately broke the trust of everyone I know. And it's something that I'm trying to work on and rebuild on. Well, that's really powerful that you see that. And because, you know, being on the other side of it, it was, it was almost like a death of somebody that once was. Mm -hmm. And, And it's like, now let's talk about your future. Like, how are you moving future? How are you, are you rebirth, reborn? Well, my um, rebirth has been, I ended up having to go to a treatment facility. I checked myself into a detox rehab um, with a, at a wonderful, wonderful place. And um, when I got there, I was still throwing up blood a little bit. And I, <laughs> I was hallucinating for like four or five days, really, really bad. And they ended up having to take me to the hospital Um And then I got past that and I was able to um, stay there. And then I ended up going to an outpatient program. It was, it's called IOP. It's intense outpatient program. And I did that alongside with staying at a sober living for a month. Um, So it was all together about two months. And, um, and I got really involved back in AA. I was, I go to meetings. I was going to meetings um, seven days a week. Now I'm going to like six, but you know, we have the Zoom meeting, so I get to do that. I'm working with a sponsor, I'm working steps, I'm doing like these meditations, I'm journaling. I've learned how to like deal with the anxiety without having to um to go to any kind of alcohol or, or substance that would like alter to make me feel better. I've learned how to do breathing techniques. Um, you know, right now I have my son with me. I wasn't able to see him when I was in the sober living because of like this COVID stuff, but, um, you know, he's been with me for over a week and it's the first time he's been with me every single day for that long in months. Mm. Um, so I'm just right now I'm rebuilding. I'm, um, I'm saving some money right now and I'm working towards getting a place for him and I have safe place. And I am just staying out of relationships because they're a huge trigger for me. And right now, I think if anyone was attracted to me, yeah. <laughs> they probably wouldn't be in their right mind. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I do want to ask you one more question. If you could tell yourself before all of this, 
or someone going through what you just went through, what would be, you know, what would you tell them to help them? If they were just starting to go through it? Yeah, like if they were going through your journey, what would you tell them? Um, I think I would tell them that it's a very slow, progressive addiction and that it, it ends up progressing very, very quickly. And before you know it, um, you, you lose everybody in your life. You just, you become an incredibly selfish person with this. And if it's with the relationships as well, I would say if you see any kind of red flags, you know, as women, we have this huge intuition. Yeah, huge. And, you know, I would have these moments where I would feel like I know something's going on and the person would say, no, no, no. And I I knew it was. And I would say, you don't have to have proof. You just have to know that it doesn't feel right and you can walk away to save yourself from all that hurt and that pain. And I would suggest to people that have alcoholism or, you know, that drank anything like me or um, have relationships, anything like me, that there are programs out there. There's AA, there's codependence, there's SLAA. There's all kinds of programs you can go to so you can get a better understanding and see if it makes any kind of sense to you. And if it doesn't, then try to, you know, I think therapy is a really good tool too. Therapy has been very helpful for me. Um, I do believe that you can't fix everything with, you know, AA. I think I need more than that. Um, everyone's different in that way. But for me, I would suggest therapy. I would suggest different outlets, trying to see what you can relate to and talking to people about it because it was the secret that kept me drinking. And it's the secret, my secrets that have taken me out. Yeah. I mean, they say, you know, in the 12 steps, secrets are what kills us. And I love that you mentioned the 12 step programs, but you know, for me, when I, you know, got sober in my program, it took 12 steps and it took therapy and it took all those other things for, for it really to work. So, and some people, you know, 12 step doesn't work. Some people it is therapy. Some people is, it's just, if you're in a dark place to get help, because it only gets worse. Yeah, exactly. There's no, there's no happy ending to this. There's like, really there's no happy ending, no like Wizard of Oz happy ending or there's Cinderella. No, not once. There might be a man behind the curtain, but he is not the wizard. He is like <laughs> he's the devil. You don't want that man. Walk away. <laughs> <laughs> so I would definitely say just to anyone out there, like, you know, if you feel like there's any slight sort of problem, like it's not going to have a happy ending, get help while you can before it gets too late, before you lose everybody. Well, thank you so much for sharing your secret and your story today and being so open and vulnerable. Well, thank you for listening. And until next time, bye. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon.